Hello again, Gator Nation, and welcome to another episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Neil Shulman. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at All Kinds Weather and on Facebook and YouTube under the name In All Kinds of Weather. My co-host, Dustin Smith, is with me today as well. You can follow him at IAKOW Dustin. And today we're here to put a bow on the Gator baseball and softball seasons before we officially and full-time turn our attention to football moving forward. We do have some special guests lined up in the near future to help take us all the way through and into football season, so definitely stay tuned for that. But we covered baseball and softball a good bit this season, so got to finish what we started and wrap that all up. And we do have a little bit of football recruiting to talk about as well. But before we get to that, as always, quick word about our sponsors slash partners. We are officially partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, the nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. For those of you who are maybe new listeners, the Gator Good Foundation collects donations from fans and uses those donations to bring someone to his or her first ever Gator football game. We pay for flights, rental cars, hotels, game tickets, gear, and just generally make sure that they have the swamp experience of a lifetime. We are looking for someone to send to the swamp in 2022 for the Missouri game in in October 8th. I believe it is, yeah, October 8th against Missouri. If you believe that you or someone you know is worthy of the honor, please reach out to us at GatorGoodFoundation at gmail.com. We are also looking for donations. To donate to our cause, please go to our website, GatorGoodFoundation.com, and click on the Donate button. And while you're on the website, you can also look around and see the campaigns we've done in previous years to get an even better idea for what we're going to do this year. Second, we are proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting in your marketing and deliver results that will wow your clients, whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are two great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. Number one, it is a veteran-owned business. Can't really think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving the business. And number two, it is run by a Florida Gator fan. So not only do they do great work, but they do great work and they're owned by a Florida Gator fan who happens to be a U.S. veteran. To learn more about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. So Dustin is on here with me. Um, We'll go softball first because they ended their season first. Um, Florida reached the Women's College World Series. We had Lauren Hager on to preview that. As Lauren and I both predicted, Florida did win its first game at the Women's College World Series against Oregon State. They could not go any farther than that. Got shut out in each of their next two games by Oklahoma State and UCLA and were eliminated. Still a phenomenal season. Any season that ends in OKC has to be considered a phenomenal season because by definition, you are among the top eight in your sport. And Florida winning a game means they're in the top six. So phenomenal season that did not end the way we wanted it to, but that does not mean the season as a whole was not exceptional. So Dustin, uh, we'll get you on the board talking wise here. We'll let you go first. Uh, What did you think about the season as a whole for Gator softball? And what will you remember from it? Well, 
just, you know me, Neil, um, I tend to be very big picture. And obviously, the softball season um, had its ups and downs. Uh, Florida was certainly not as consistent as we've seen in, in previous years. But they rose to the occasion. They, um, they beat Virginia Tech in the Super Regionals. Um, they had an incredible game in that uh, deciding um, elimination game, game three, against uh, one of the best pitchers in the nation. And they, they did it in style. Um, uh, coming from that game, I know that I wasn't on the pod with you and Lauren. By the way, that was an incredible uh, podcast. So, and it's still relevant. So um, if you haven't had the chance to listen to that, uh, I would definitely, um, after the conclusion of this one, I would go back and listen to that one because, um, man, does she have a story to tell? Um, Florida was looking like one of the teams to beat. Of course, we knew that Oklahoma uh, was on a tear. We knew that Texas was on a tear. And it's no surprise that we saw a matchup in the uh, Women's College World Series finals. Um, but Florida, coming out of that Virginia Tech game was or, or series, was a team that I had expected to do well. Um, unfortunately, they did not have the bats um, in, in their, their, uh, their final two deciding games. Something I want to talk about specifically with you, Neil, is some controversy that arose. Um, a, a common theme in the, uh, it, both with baseball and with softball is there was, as it always seems to happen with Florida um, and the umpires, there was controversy. And it's one thing, and, and Neil, I know that I know that you and I were, we're, we're we tend to be different, but we are, we are fairly similar in this area. How frustrated we get with the umpires. Yes, of course, it's something you can't control, so why worry about it? But it's so bittersweet to know that if the umps would have just made the right call, Florida would have had a, di- a very different outcome, and it's obvious. So I mean, with that's softball, not really a matter. That's not really bittersweet. That's just bitter. That's just a nasty pill to have to swallow. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I misspoke on that. It's very, it's very bitter. So thank you for correcting me on that one. But I mean, obviously with softball, I mean, it's been a long day, and plus you're tired of it. I know, yes. I know, I know. You do. Dustin's a graphic designer. He's been staring at his computer. He's been like his eyes are glazing over now. But this is when we can make it work for the pod. So yes. So of course, against Oklahoma State, okay, Florida couldn't rise to the occasion. Um, they lost that game. Uh, two to nothing and unfortunately we saw we saw it come at the hands of the umpires where um it looked like we we're doing pretty good in in the ninth in, or the seventh inning i should say i know we're getting ready to talk about baseball seventh inning it's looking pretty good and the ball um it, it hits it hits our player uh in the arm it's very clear but it's also pretty close to the nub of the bat and given the opportunity, the umpire said that it was a foul ball hit off the nub of the bat when it was clear that it hit off the, the arm first. doesn't matter if it touches the bat. If it touches the arm first, it is a hit by pitch. That's, that's, that's the rules in softball. <laughs> I, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a softball expert. I know the sport. I love it. That's, it's, it's the rules. 
Neil, do you do you want to elaborate? I know that this is this is part of eulogizing the season. I mean, so as, we have I mean, to Dustin, talk about this. As as you know, I, I've got the thread going on Twitter of all the times the NCAA officials have screwed Florida. That you know that that plays in there. Uh, if if the if the softball hits the player's arm, it is a free first base that would have put two runners on base for Florida. Yep. There's also the fact that Florida got precisely zero runs in the other six innings of that game and the other six innings of the next game they played against UCLA when they got mercy ruled out of the tournament. So I don't really know that one extra base runner is going to change the outcome of the game. I did also make a meme that night that that is kind of, uh, of R-rated. Dustin, I think you know what I'm talking about. Oh, man. Dustin's Dustin's too uh, Dustin's too uh, devout of a Christian to allow himself to laugh at it, but it was uh, oh man, it was it was a meme uh, of um, well, we'll we'll call it a an 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 adult site of a porn site with a, a video titled "Team of Bureaucrats F's Entire College Athletics Program." The point oh of me gosh. mentioning that, yes, I, I know it, it was it was <laughs> R-rated for sure. The point of me mentioning that is that I was very displeased with that call. I am not discounting it. That was something that definitely did not help Florida. Obviously, if I take the time to make a meme of that, it's not something I just completely toss away. But at the same time, Florida's bats were dead the entire game, and they were dead the entire next game too. So. You're right. Take it, take, take it with proper context. Um, but yes, I, I was I was frustrated by it. But uh, it, it, put it this way, it was not one billionth of the screw over job that UCLA in 2018 was. You're right. I will say this, Neil. There did seem to be some momentum going going through that that seventh inning. There, it 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 did look like given the opportunity to get to back to the top of the lineup, that something could have happened. We had, we had, we had ladies on base. Okay. All we needed was to get to the top of the top of the lineup where our, uh, our more well-established hitters would have had opportunities to do what they do best. That's true. I mean, it would have been another chance, but Again, the that for for six innings of that game, Florida did get a couple of base runners and did nothing with them. And the next game, Florida also got a few runners on base and did nothing with them. So we're talking about twelve other innings in the women's college world series of Florida's bats just going dead silent. And now we're supposed to believe that a lucky number thirteen, this thirteenth inning that we could possibly bring our bats up to the plate, was going to be the inning that we were going to explode for five runs or more, just because we're bound to eventually. I mean, I I just don't believe it. So yeah. I'm I'm willing to sit here and and you know I stand by that meme. I stand by that thread where it's where all the all the Gator teams and in sports ranging from volleyball to, to football to baseball, basketball, lacrosse is in there. Um, you know, I stand behind that thread. I stand behind the premise of it. I stand behind that meme uh, as, as crude as it was. But I don't think it's fair to say that that was responsible for costing us our season. I, I just yeah. – because because there, there were too many other holes in this team. There were too many other flaws that were on display throughout the course of the season. And I don't really think it's it's fair. Um, what what I will say about this team, though, uh, in, in a more positive light, 
is that I stand by the fact that, that this was not a great team. It had one of the worst SEC records in Tim Walton's career, actually. And it was only the second team in, in Tim Walton's 15-year career now where Florida did not get a top eight national seed. So, I mean, verifiably, not one of his best teams, one of his worst teams, actually, but it was a clutch team. When Florida was playing in games that you wanted them to win, they would often lose. Like, you know, Tennessee comes to Gainesville, you want to beat them. Alabama comes to Gainesville first years, you want to beat them. Top five Arkansas team comes to Gainesville, you want to beat them. Freaking Gulf Coast beat us in Gainesville once. So, you know, when we as fans watch Florida play any given game, we want them to win. It would be, it would be nice to win those games. Florida did not win a lot of those ordinary games that we just want them to win that would make us, you know, feel good as fans, at, le- at least compared to previous seasons. Um, like, you know, we wanted to beat FSU, swept 0-2 against them. Wanted to beat Tennessee, would have been nice to, to taunt their fans, lost that series. Wanted to beat Alabama, lost that series too. You know, the games that we wanted to see Florida win, Florida lost a lot of that. But – when Florida needed to win, when they had to win games, like win this one game or your season is in big trouble, they won a lot of those. I mean, they beat LSU on the road with a crazy play by Katie Kistler at the wall, uh, a, a last-second Cheyenne Lindsay home run. That really, I think, got them a host spot in the top 16. If they don't win that series, they're probably not hosting a regional even. Ran through that regional when some people thought we wouldn't make it out of there came back off the mat to smoke Virginia Tech twice in two elimination games to advance to OKC. And that goes for individual players, too. Florida had their best players at the top of the lineup, like Kendra Falby, Skyler Wallace, and Charlotte Eccles. Exactly. They did did not have phenomenal seasons stat-wise. Very good seasons, but not phenomenal. But they came through when we needed them to. Avery Gels, even, down at the bottom of the lineup, did not light the world on fire in 2022. I mean – well, she, she was she was fine. She had an above average SEC level bat with a 268 average. But when Florida needed her in the postseason, she delivered. And just ask FSU softball team or Tennessee's baseball team. You can pile up all the stats and numbers you want, but if you cannot replicate it in the postseason, ultimately it does not matter. Florida was at its best in the postseason. They just ran out of gas against better teams, but they were at their best in the postseason. And that is what I will remember of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I overall, it was a, a tale of, of, uh, of two teams, really. I mean, you go through the, uh, the season recap. I mean, some games we run world teams and then other games we couldn't get the bats going. And obviously um, the last two games in the, uh, the college world series, we were left scoreless, and the the better teams won. Um, Oklahoma State was clearly the better team; they won. And then you look at UCLA; uh, no questions asked, and no one was going to beat Oklahoma. I mean, that's that was the team to beat. And then hopefully, Tim Walton can get the gals together, and hopefully, next season we can be um, at that Oklahoma level. Uh, I can say that because clearly. Deal. We we have the talent to do that. Um, there's no question that that uh, that Florida recruits the best um, girls in the nation. Um, it's just all about everybody coming together. It's about the uh, the younger gals getting that experience. Um, and 
yeah, um, I look forward to to next season. Um, it'll be back here before you know it. So, Neil, there's another uh, stickball sport that, that we need to talk about, and you you wrote quite the article on in allkindsofweather.com. And uh, for those of you listening, if you haven't had the chance to read it, I would also encourage you, alongside going back and listening to the Lauren Hager episode, um, that you would go onto the website and read that article. Um, and even uh, you even have the opportunity to leave a comment below. We really like it when you do that. So, Neil, let's talk about it. Baseball. Uh, well, it's a lot murkier of a picture than softball because softball, we can say, you know what, we'll lose Hannah Adams. But, you know, thank you, Hannah. Best of luck to you. Cheyenne Lindsay, you know, thank you, Cheyenne. You were a Gator great. Best of luck to you, Natalie Lugo. Thank you, Natalie, for all you did. Best of luck to you and all that comes for, you know, all that comes next for you. Florida softball is going to be loaded again next year. Skylar Wallace is back. Charlotte Eccles should be back. I mean, she has another year. I don't see a reason to believe she won't be back. Um, if a bunch of pitchers with experience will be back, and, and Riley Trilichak, Elizabeth Hightower, and Lexi Delbray. Avery Gells will be back down at the bottom of the lineup. Mentioned her earlier. Um, I mean, both girls who saw time at catcher and Emily Wilkie and Sam Rowe are back. Plus Walton just landed another top five recruiting class. This team should definitely be competing for another trip to OKC. It is not nearly as clear of a picture for Gator baseball because they, they will get a lot of, t- of guys back next year. They're going to lose Judd Fabian. Matt Cassetti, the catcher is gone. I think that was one I'd, I probably could have seen coming, but that's a good amount of experience back there. Um, and Nick Pogue, who I was expecting to to be a big, you know, to play a big role as a pitcher next year, is gone. And there's the fact that this year's team, I mean, I don't want to say Florida embarrassed themselves in, in this year's regional, but for the second straight year, Florida failed to make it out of the regional stage with this same group of players that we're talking about coming back in 2023. So a little different this time. Florida did not humiliate themselves. They, they, they came close. It's not for lack of trying. They almost blew the game against Central Michigan uh, in, in, the, in the middle, late innings, but ultimately survived that, made it to a regional final, took a game off of Oklahoma with a heroic performance from Carson Finvold, had a lead in that game. Rain comes through. Florida has to just sit there and wait for five and a half hours. Florida took a 3-1 lead. It, it was 2-1 before the rain delay. Florida loaded the bases and got only one run out of that. We'll talk about that momentarily. But could not hold a 3-1 lead. In the eighth inning, Ryan Slater blew the save, and Florida lost 5-4 to end their season. Um, I mean, Dustin, softball is the sport that I think most people generally agree in terms of the state of the program. But baseball is generated by far – more heated discussion among fans. Of course, the biggest buzz topic here is the job security of Kevin O'Sullivan, which we'll get to later. Um, but I mean, we'll we'll talk about this current team, or I guess this this now past team first. Dustin, what were your takeaways from the 2022 season, and what will you remember this baseball team for? I think this baseball this baseball season was a compounding of two issues. Um, number one, and I know we say this a lot. I know I say it a lot. Um, I said it before with softball. I'm going to say it again with baseball consistency for a baseball team to be successful. You have to 
be strong at the mound, but you also have to be strong at, at hitting the ball. That's, that's an obvious statement. And unfortunately, we were not consistent. You know, there, there were some games um, where we really rose to the occasion and we showed the talent that we have. But other games, we played uh, inferior opponents and we did not rise to the occasion. We were not pitching well. Um, we were not uh, hitting the ball well. And it showed. And a lot of it came down to the youth. And I'm, I'm not trying to quote Ronald Reagan, but I'll, I will. It all came down to the youth and inexperience of the players. Um, a lot, we, 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 we had so many freshmen um, that, that were forced into uh, playing a ton. And it made – it's hard. It doesn't matter – uh, what your height, weight, what your measurables are. It doesn't matter what your, what your, your star ranking or, or, you know, how highly touted you were coming out of high school. Um, you, you have to rise to the occasion. College is a whole different ball game than, than high school. College is a whole different ball game than playing on a travel team. You have to rise to the occasion. Okay. The pitchers are way better. They're throwing, they're throwing much faster. I mean, you have guys. Uh, you're you're playing against guys that could that that as they stand in in college, they could be uh, playing major leagues. I mean, they're that good, uh, or at least high level minor leagues. Um, as far as this particular season, I mean, you you look at you look at kind of how the season finished. Um, with, with that, that final, uh, game against Oklahoma, Florida, it looked like until, you know, well into that game, it looked like Florida had a shot to, to pull out the victory, but they, they gave up some, some runs toward the end of the game. Um, in that eighth inning, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, um, Florida gave up four runs that can't happen. Okay. You need to be consistent throughout the game to win. And that, that four-run inning in the eighth is a microcosm of some of the issues that we saw throughout the entirety of the season. And, Neil, to, to your point, um, you're right. It's hard that we lost some of these guys to, to uh, the transferring. But at the end of the day, um, it's a systemic problem. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's exciting that we, that we won back in 2017, but it seems like year in and year out, we come in and we have an incredibly talented team, but we can't put it together. And I know you mentioned that we're going to get into um, talking about, uh, about the, the job security of uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, um, and we'll get to that. But without getting to that, I'll just say this. As much as we, as much as we hate Georgia, I hate to hate to bring it back to football, but we'll get we'll be talking about football at the end of the episode, so we'll get there. But I can't help but think about Georgia football and how great of a recruiting program Kirby Smart has had, and even even going back to um, Georgia in previous years uh, with Mark Rick, they recruited pretty well. They could not get it done, Georgia. Um, they could not get it done until last year, of course. 
um, or the, or to be more specific, the really early parts of this year. Yeah, they, they finally did it. But back to baseball. That inconsistency starts at the head. Okay, when, a, when we talked about this with football and Dan Mullen, okay, the only difference is Dan Mullen couldn't really recruit. Walton is getting, or not Walton, my apologies, Kevin O'Sullivan is getting the best talent in the country. If you're getting the number one recruiting class year in and year out, you need to show results. Okay, I'm not saying we fire the guy. We'll get to that. But we, we have to see something next year or it may be difficult for him. Yeah, that's probably that's probably fair. Um, I mean, I, I think I think the thing that a lot of people forget, um, especially with you know mid-major Mike also occupying space in Gainesville recently, is that there are a lot of steps and stages and and rungs on the ladder in between. I like this guy and let's fire him. It's not a binary thing. It's not like you flip a switch that's only got two modes. There's a lot of ground in between. I like this coach and let's fire him. I think the best way to put it actually is, um, is the way I put it with Neil Blackman on the, on the post 2020-21 basketball season when I, I'd had enough of him and I just said, all right, come on and defend him. And, and I asked him to start the episode, where do you, where do you put Mike White on a scale from zero to a hundred, a hundred being, uh, you know, he's the goat, like a hundred being he's Billy Donovan and, and zero being, uh, you know, must champ after losing to Missouri in 2014. And I, I think that's how you have to gauge coaches. So again, we'll, we'll put that off for a little, little bit later, but I do want to preface what I'm going to say about O'Sullivan with, with my overall thoughts on the team that, that, that have to start. Um, well, no, I'll, I'll start with the positives. I'll, I'll start with the positives because I will remember the way that guys stepped up and performed. Uh, I will remember the way that Brandon Spurrow was thrown into the fire and became a star. I mean, when, when Hunter Barco went down, I thought our season was finished. So that was cool to see. Uh, the freshman Brandon Neely stepping up too, first stepping in against FSU, doing well enough there, getting himself a starter role after Barco got hurt. Obviously, Karsten Finvold was a great story. Um, I'll remember how Judd Fabian was in the, in the middle of an ice-cold slump and in the NCAA tournament suddenly launches a couple of homers in the regional. That's pretty cool. And as a team, I'll definitely remember how Florida went on the road to beat Miami two out of three after losing the first game. They beat FSU two out of three games. Uh, That was great on a a walk-off at that. Swept Mississippi State at Duty Noble, which historically has been almost impossible to do. Um, And, you know, I'll remember the fact that Florida got hot late in the season and when everyone thought they were done and, you know, reading them their last rights, they somehow sneak back into the hosting conversation and get a host spot. So that was really cool to see after so many things had gone wrong at so many different points of the season. But as I said earlier about FSU softball and Tennessee baseball, you're remembered by what you do in the postseason, not the regular season. Fair or not, that that is just how it is. And I guess all I can really ask for in terms of, of fairness and congruence is for a postseason to sort of match the regular season. Like, for example, FSU softball, as the number two overall seed, one of the two best teams in the country, 
doesn't even make it past its own regional. So definitely a postseason that does not match, does not mirror the regular season. Those two things are not alike. Florida's regular season and postseason in baseball were very much identical <laughs> because throughout the season, I, I and I hate to be the guy that it just regurgitates what I write on the website, on the podcast. So I'll focus on something else here. But the short version is that Florida was just horrible in two critical areas of the game all year long, relief pitching and situational hitting. Florida played 66 games in 2022. And in seven of those games, the bullpen blew multi-run leads and lost the game in the sixth inning or later. And that is a bad stat to begin with. But then think about the fact that in many of those games, Florida had either blown the game wide open and was killing the opponent so that giving up five runs in the eighth and three more in the ninth doesn't kill you, or they just lost the game outright before the bullpen could even participate. So in seven games this year, Florida had a lead of two runs or more in the sixth inning or later. Their starting pitcher was taken out and Florida lost. And I mean, say that that's bad is an understatement. And the situational hitting was was just as terrible. I mean, in various games this year, Florida left 8, 10, 9, 8, 10, 9, 7, 10, and 6 runners on base in losses. I cannot remember exactly offhand, um, but if you go read the article that Dustin was mentioning, the Gator Baseball Eulogy, you will see uh, the games in which they did that attached to those numbers. And, and that's just awful. That's just not, that's not going to win you games. That's not going to win you big games. And it's not going to keep your season alive when you're facing elimination in the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and sure enough, Florida left eight guys on base in the season ending loss to Oklahoma, blew another multi-run lead in the late innings, and they lost. And now we're in a position where we have to talk about the fact that Florida could not get out of its own regional for the second year in a row. That is three complete seasons in a row in which Florida could not get out of the regional stage. And we'll talk big picture about Sully momentarily, but I say that now to set the stage for some of my frustration because, I mean, Sully has not really been helping himself uh, with some of his decisions this year. But uh, Dustin, well, I'll let you take it first. Where, where does Sully sit with you and what, what are you specifically looking to see in 2023? Well, Deal, um, you know me. I'm very consistent in terms of my uh, my view of coaches. Um, I'll always give them the benefit of the doubt until there's no reason to do so. And um, I I can't I can't call it for for Sully in terms of saying that he needs to get fired or be let go. Um, I do think things need to improve. Um, obviously, like I said before, he's recruiting at a high level. We have some of the best talent in the nation. But the team is just not consistent, and you're uh, you're spot on. Relief pitching was subpar for much of the season. Um, killed us uh, in 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 as I mentioned prior in that in that final game against Oklahoma. Um, and then situational hitting, like you said, and both of those come down to coaching. Okay, not just Kevin O'Sullivan, but the entire coaching staff. Um, they definitely need to soul search and think about how they're going to create a plan of success. It's not just enough to have the best players in the country. 
you have to put in a plan that puts those players in the best position to win games. I mean, get creative with strategy. You know, if we have to play uh, small ball or if we have to um, figure out creative ways, um, you know, I mean, you've talked about it all the time. I mean, on, in, in, on Twitter, I mean, there, there's got to be something that, that, that Florida can do. Um, obviously, like I said before, uh, O'Sullivan has done well at the University of Florida. We've been in College World Series. We've won a College World Series, but you got to keep doing it. You got to stay. You got to. You got to be consistent. You got to be at a high level, um, especially with the type of talent that Florida's bringing in. But just to recap, Neil, I don't think he should be fired. Um, I definitely think he should have the full support of the fan base for 2023 and i'm i for one am excited about the future of florida baseball the thing is like when you're talking about coming up with a plan for for hitters something as simple as an assistant like maybe a craig bell who's no longer here anymore florida uh just sort of sticking some some news now into the analysis piece of it florida did hire taylor black uh, most recently of the Detroit Tigers, previously of NC State Wolfpack, an assistant coach or Sully, someone has to be able to step in and say, yo, Judd, you're, you're one for your last 31. Maybe, you know, may, maybe cut your hitch in half so that you're not pulling the bat back as far. Maybe you don't have to provide 100% of the power you're trying to provide. Maybe if you just apply 98% of your power to the, to the ball, you can still knock it out of the park. And oh, by the way, you can also avoid putting yourself in bad situations where a ball is dropping when you don't think it is. So, I mean, that's not, that wasn't quite the case with Judd, but that's just a hypothetical. You have to notice something is not working and, and make a micro tweak to your guys at the plate. Or pitchers, if they're not hitting their spots, could be physical or mental. It doesn't always take, uh, you know, a, literally Dustin in your case a rocket scientist to figure out that we have to try something different it could be a, a small tweak here or there but I mean these last couple of years Florida staff hasn't really done that but my frustration with Sully has nothing to do with with any of that my frustration with Sully has to do with with his in-game um blunders that that were most recently on display against Oklahoma essentially Sully did two things that I, I could not believe my eyes when I when I saw him do them, and and this this is the kind of thing where he's got to learn, he's got to make adjustments to his operations. The way that to use an example of a previous coach that Dan Mullen never did. So number one, you see your pitcher is struggling in relief in Ryan Slater, who comes into the game. And he just doesn't do his job. He just, he just doesn't do it. So, you know, gives up a double off the bat. He gives up a homer in the next at bat. Two pitches, two barrels to baseballs, two extra base hits. The guy doesn't have it. The instant that second pitch is barreled up, you need to get your bullpen moving. That doesn't say just because a guy has gives up back-to-back hits means you have to pull him, but you need to have action in your bullpen so that – if there is another problem, say a walk, say an HBP, or another ball gets barreled up, 
if there is a third thing in a row, potentially a fourth batter in a row that does something that is not good for your team, you need to be able to get him out of there. Sully didn't do that. The double and the home run were followed up by two more guys reaching base, them getting pushed over to third on a sacrifice, two more ground balls, hard ground balls that scored both of them, and it was 5-3 before the, he was pulled. So nothing against Slater. He was, he was fine throughout the course of the season. Didn't have it on that one day, but, I mean, not his fault in the sense that, you know, you can't, pin the entire season ending on him because he had one bad game because he had a lot more good games throughout the course of the season. But Sully, you've got to stop the bleeding. You've got to get him out of there before that lead is completely gone. The instant that, I mean, the ball leaves the bat for the home run, your bullpen has to be up and moving. And the instant that the next batter reaches, you have to pull him. You cannot allow more blood to gush out we're talking about stopping the bleeding you cannot allow more blood to gush out you have to stop it there he didn't do that only after oklahoma had a 5-3 lead when they scored four runs off of slater did sully make the move too late florida loses the game by one run and on that note the second major blunder that kevin o'sullivan made the, the one that really got me the, the one that really stunned me and that I really couldn't believe what I was watching L- late in a low scoring game, less than two outs runner on third, in this case, three, three runners on second and third. And, and your bats are completely unreliable. They they're dead. They've been up and down throughout the year. They've had good days, but on this day they are dead. You cannot assume that your offense is capable of scoring more than one run the rest of the game. And and you have to hope that they will score that one, but you cannot assume that they will score more than more than one run the rest of the way. So you have to treat this like it's the bottom of the ninth and a single Oklahoma run wins the game, like as in walks it off and you lose. You have to treat the situation the same way as though a single OU run ends the ball game. This is where you bring your infield in, not corners in, where you have your third or first baseman playing in for a bunt. No, you play your whole infield in. And the rationale behind that is on a ground ball, the infielders will all be close enough to home plate that they can field the ball and throw home to throw out the runner. Because there is no force, the catcher, Matt Cassetti, now dearly departed, Matt Cassetti, but he was the catcher in that moment. Matt Cassetti would have to slap the tag on, which does add another layer to it. But still, you have to play the infield in. You have to treat it. You have to treat that runner at third like it is the game-winning run, and you will lose the game. No, well, maybe we'll score the next thing. Nope, you cannot treat it that way. You have to act as though that is the game over run at third play the infield in and give your defense a chance to throw the runner out at home so the game can continue if you play your infield normally you can still throw the runner out at first but then a run scores and again in this situation where we're acting like a single run ends the game that's not going to help you sully doesn't do this josh rivera at shortstop is playing back there is a slow ground ball He has no chance to throw home. The run scores. 
Oklahoma would add another one. Florida did get one back on a, on a solo Wyatt Langford homer, but lost 5-4 because of that. And if you throw that runner out at home, maybe, maybe just maybe the next batter doesn't get a good pitch to hit. I mean, maybe the pitches are different. Maybe the ball is thrown to a different spot. Maybe the hitter is looking for something different, and there's not the ground ball that gets through. Maybe the defense is playing differently, so that that ground ball could have been fielded at second base. Who knows? But Florida only got one run because Wyatt Langford got a solo homer, but lost 5-4 because of that. Those are two critical mistakes that Kevin O'Sullivan made. And I'm not even going to fault him for using Ryan Slater. A lot of people were, were kind of up in arms about that. And as someone who's, you know, got, got friends on the team, but I'm not in the meeting rooms. I'm not watching them throw their bullpen sessions all year long. I'm not watching them from fall ball all the way up till the morning of the game. I don't know that information, you know, who's looking good, you know, who is going to be most likely to flummox Oklahoma. I don't know that information. I would have personally gone with Nick Ficarota, but I can make peace with the decision to choose Slater in the first place after the rain delay knocks Neely out of the game. But I, I am I am just dumbfounded by the fact that when that when that homer leaves the park, there is no action in the bullpen. That doesn't mean you necessarily pull him after two hits, but there has to be action going so that if a third thing in a row goes wrong, then you can pull him. And I cannot believe that Sully did not play the infield. And if if you remember, Florida was beaten for a national championship in 2011 because South Carolina deployed that strategy. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go go check it out on YouTube. Uh, Florida, South Carolina, 2011 national championship series. Florida had bases loaded, no outs, but South Carolina brought the infield in. Two ground balls. Both of them resulted in throws to home plate for the out. And the second one was a double play from pitcher to home to first. Classic one, two, three, double play. So Sully, of all people, should know how devastatingly effective that can be in the perfect situation. But, I mean, he didn't do it, and and Florida's season is now done. And now we have to, like I mentioned, talk about the fact that Florida's season is – Again, over in the regional stage before they can even make the Sweet 16 of the college baseball tournament, which is called the Super Regional. But, I mean, Dustin, you you have your thoughts about him uh, that I more or less agree with. I'll I'll put it I'll put it in a very specific way, and that is. Uh, I, I talked to a friend of mine who worked in the UF athletic offices in the first days of January, 2021. So a couple of days after the cotton bowl disaster happened in, in Dallas against Oklahoma with football, another Oklahoma disaster, the way he put Dan Mullins job security in the wake of the cotton bowl was heading into the LSU game. Mullen was absolutely bulletproof. I mean, he, he has SWAT armor, bulletproof armor from head to toe. He is completely safe, literally and physically bulletproof. LSU, Alabama, and Oklahoma were, in this metaphor, bullets that kind of frayed out his, his armor, kind of you know put some holes in the material. So now, now he's still kind of bulletproof, but these specific areas where he's taken this flack 
needs to be repaired. He's not completely bulletproof anymore because now if more things go wrong in this same area or in the metaphors case, if more bullets come into that exact same spot that, that took previous shrapnel, he may not be so bulletproof anymore. That's the way I put it with Kevin O'Sullivan. He's, he's very safe right now. He's, he's safe. He's not in, it's not a situation of, you know, make the super regionals next year or he's fired and there's no justification for bringing him back again for 24. It's not like that with him, but it is a situation of if we don't make the super regionals next year, we do have to start to kind of wonder if he had his run and it's, we've already seen it be as good as it's ever going to get. And the heyday is done. So I, I don't think anything can happen next year that will make me want to think about firing him. I mean, Sully is the coach I grew up watching. I mean, he's, he's been at Florida since I was 13 and I'm, I'm 28 now. So, I mean, he really, he's been the, the only coach I've known uh, at Florida, but like Dustin said, you can't just rest on your laurels from the previous decade forever. I mean, Florida's 2010s, they make seven college world series. They make it to the, the semifinals, the national semifinals four times in those seven years. And they, they win it once and they win the sec five times, but you can't rest on that forever. I mean, at some point, for example, let's say that for the next 40 years in a row, like let's say Kevin O'Sullivan is here through 2062. And in those 40 years, Florida never gets past the regional final. Florida never makes it to the sweet 16 of the college baseball tournament anymore. Well, now we have a coach who's obviously not a fit anymore because he can't get Florida to this, the round of 16 of his sport anymore. So we'll have to cut bait with him. Now, obviously we don't have 40 years worth of patience with him now. We're not going to give him 40 years more. He's not going to be alive for 40 more years, I don't think, first of all. But hypothetically speaking, we're not going to give him another 40 years to produce more results like the ones that he produced in the 2010s. We're going to give him more than one more year to produce those kinds of results, but we're not going to give him 40 more. There is a middle ground line that exists where if he doesn't start producing the way he once did for Florida, we have to have a conversation about, well, maybe we need someone else to lead our baseball program now. I don't think that point is this year. And in fact, I think that thinking that after 2022 is downright, downright ridiculous. I don't think that point will be after the 2023 season. I think unless Florida is 25 and 35 and completely misses the NCAA tournament, I don't think it will be rational to, to think that after next year. But sooner rather than later, it, it would be beneficial for Sully and for this fan base if Florida makes another run, at least to Omaha. And I'm not saying win another national championship but get back to that final stage of the sport, get back to that last weekend of the NCAA tournament where all eyes in the country are on you and your team and give us reason to believe 
that the program at least is capable of winning a national championship. And, and, and of course, that means more than just have the talent. That means have the talent that produces on a consistent enough basis that when the NCAA tournament rolls around, you're thinking, okay, this team is a real player for a national championship. They are a legitimate pro- projection to win a national title and not one that we're just making out of blind hope or faith. So I'm not saying that that point is next year. I'm not saying he has to do X, Y, Z next year or else he should be fired. But the pressure is on him now in 2023 in a way that it was not on him in 2022. And more specifically talking about that, about that particular area of the bulletproof vest that's taken some flack and needs to be repaired. If Sully loses us another game, another big game by leaving someone out there for too long, which by the way is nothing new. We've seen him do that for years, most notably with Franco Aleman in the first series of the season against Miami in 2021. He's done that repeatedly. But if we see him lose us games again, in 2023 with bad strategical maneuvers. And that is the reason why Florida baseball is not competing for championships anymore. That hastens the process that quickens it. That line that I'm talking about that exists somewhere between two and 40 years in the future, that line starts to shift closer and and more near in the future, as opposed to farther away in the future. So Sully can help himself and buy himself more super regional list seasons by not doing that anymore. And at least giving Florida fans reason to think that he's not going to lose us any more big games with bad decisions down the stretch. So long story short, no, I don't want Sully fired. I'm not especially close to wanting him fired unless 2023 is a complete disaster. I cannot imagine myself changing this position too drastically, although I could see myself inching slightly closer to that, that, that fire Sully range. I do not think that I will be in the position of wanting him fired after 2023. I do think Florida needs to make a run to at least the super regionals in one of the next two years or by 2025, that, that mindset of mine could change. Daniel. I, I totally understand where you're coming from, and, and I look forward to seeing how things shake out as we, um, as we move into the off-season component of baseball. Now, are you ready to talk about recruiting? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about some of the bad stuff with, um, with baseball and softball. And, and here, here's, here's the good segue. Here's the perfect segue, actually, in football it. recruiting. Kevin O'Sullivan has another great class coming in for Florida baseball. So I'm not – I, I, I wish Matt Cassetti well. I wish he hadn't left. Same with Nick Pogue. Um, same with Carl Hartman, for that matter. Florida baseball will always have talent. They will be fine, talent-wise. It's just going to be a matter of can they do it in the clutch um, going forward. And now, uh, Dustin, a, a team that, that definitely has some talent. I would not by any means say that, that Florida football um, has the same level of talent that Florida baseball has. But they're, they're, they're trying. They're, they're working towards it. And I think that, that this past weekend was definitely a big step towards that. So, I mean, Dustin, 
I mean, I, I know you like baseball and softball. You genuinely do enjoy them. I know you watch a lot of the games. You attended a lot of them when you were a student there. I know recruiting is your thing. I mean, that's, that's really why, you know, you and I work well together. So tell me what stuck out to you most from the visitor list this past weekend in Gainesville and what sort of relationships you think were, were sown that, that we could see uh, Florida benefiting from in the future. Absolutely. So just going down the list, you have Malik Bryant, a guy that I've been exceptionally excited about, linebacker out of Orlando. Um, you know, for those of you that, that, that know me on this show, I, you know, he, I, we live in the same city. I live in Orlando. Um, you also have uh, uh, Raylan Wilson um, out of Tallahassee, Florida. He's a current Michigan commit. But he definitely enjoyed his visit, so he's somebody that could be a flip watch. Um, Derek LeBlanc, uh, uh, did I pronounce that right, Neil? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean he's a defensive lineman. Um, a guy that another guy that I want to talk about is uh, Will Norman. Now, Will Norman is a defensive lineman, um, primarily a tackle, uh, but he can play. A nose guard, but he can play three. Um, he's got quickness, uh, very relentless um, in, in rush lanes, a run stopper, plays for IMG Academy. Again, that is a running theme. I mean, Neil, we aren't just getting we aren't just getting tabs on one player from IMG, from two players from IMG. Literally half the starters on that team have visited Florida over the past six months. I mean, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm uh, the, the the curse is broken. We, I mean, we, we really Dan Mullen broke it of all people with uh, Kamar Wilcoxon, but Napier Napier started a pipeline there with Kamari Wilson, yeah. and I'm I mean, I'm not going to say he's he's got a pipeline there. I I shouldn't say that because Florida hasn't landed any of these kids yet. But for, at the very least. Florida now has legitimate interest from these kids. And I understand, well, if we just get hats on the table, but none of these recruits pick us, well, then it doesn't really help us. But you got to start somewhere. You have to start by getting their interest. You don't get a kid to commit to you without there being any interest, unless it's maybe like a Joseph Putu situation, like back in 2016, where he commits sight unseen because Florida is the best offer he's ever gotten. That, and that's not the kind of commit that Florida really wants to be loading up their roster with anyway. So give it time, y'all. Give it time. And I really do think that Florida will have a pipeline built from IMG. I don't want to say that they have one right now. I, I will say that give it time, and I think they will have a legitimate pipeline built. Yeah, Neil. And I think you're spot on. Obviously, we can't call it a pipeline yet. We we haven't we haven't even gone through a full cycle with Billy Napier. Of course, we had the uh, the partial cycle with with him being named the head coach, and obviously uh, that uh, transition class is one thing. He did get one guy, Kamari, um, who is awesome, five star uh, defensive back. Um, so. IMG. So real quick, I want to talk about uh, one more guy from IMG already committed, uh, Najee Harris. We talked about him in a previous pod. 
He's a he's currently rated on the two four seven sports composite as a low four star. I love his tape. Okay, he he looks he's an interior offensive lineman. Typically, they tend to not be rated super high. Um, the twenty third ranked interior offensive lineman. I think that's going to going to go up. The player I I've been dying to talk about, not literally of course, but dying to talk about is Jaden Rashada out of Pittsburgh, California. Okay, he is Pittsburgh with a G and no H, by the way. Exactly, Pittsburgh, California. He. He's a specimen of a quarterback. At 6'4", 185 pounds. I mean, he's got he's to fill out that frame. But, man, could he hum the ball. His, his tape is – his ball placement as a high school quarterback is picture perfect. Okay? And, and he's, he's fairly athletic. Now, now, looking at him, he's certainly more of a pocket passer than – He's definitely not the Michael Vick type. Um, he's certainly more of a pocket passer, which I think lends itself to the offense that Billy Napier runs. He definitely has athleticism. He's definitely quick. Um, I'm excited about this guy. I really I, – I'm not going to go out, out on a limb and say that he's definitely going to be a Gator. He's definitely got quite the offer list. Um, but he's the guy that I want. He's the quarterback that I want. I know there's a lot of people that, that are, that are uh, you know, uh, buying the hype about Arch Manning. Nah, I, I don't think Arch is going to be a Gator. I don't want him. I want Jaden Rashada. You know, you, you come to me five years from now, and when it's all said and done and both Arch and, and Jaden are in the NFL, um, come back to me and let me know who the better prospect was. Uh, I mean, who, in who, fairness, people said that about Emory Jones and Matt Corral too, and that didn't really work out too well in our favor. But then again, uh, then again, you know, new era, new new man in charge. I get it. Um, but Art, Arch Manning is the kind of guy that he, I think he's going to be very successful regardless of where he goes. Yes. I, I do think that Jalen Rashada might work a little bit better for what Napier wants to run, especially with all the – and all, all the pistol looks and all the motion where, you know, you, you can utilize his legs and Arch Manning may not, you know, Arch Manning may want a more just throw, 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 throw sort of offense, whereas Rashada can kind of do both a little bit better. But, I mean, Arch Arch is a – Arch throws a beautiful ball. Arch has really nice-looking mechanics. Uh, Rashada could get them. Rashada, I mean, his mechanics are a little raw – he definitely has strong arm. Definitely looks to have intelligence, which is the, are the I mean, intelligence is the number one thing I look for in a QB. Yeah, uh, our accuracy is probably second, but we'll see. I, I don't. I don't want to be in a position where Florida is turning away quarterbacks until we can start proving that we have a nice line of them coming through. I mean, Richardson, we we think is going to be great. What has he done so far for Florida for us to even base this? Uh, basis idea that he is great QB number one in this line that I'm talking about building. We have nothing to base it off of, but hope he's shown flashes. He's done it here and there, but we, we don't even have a chain of one quarterback in a row that we can say is elite that came through the university of Florida, that we can be turning away other quarterbacks for and saying, we don't want. So let's, I, I mean, I, I would, 
I would advise just be a little careful when, when we're saying that. I don't think we get Arch Manning either, by the way, but I would not be in the position. I would, I would not advise, I would not advise people to say, yeah, we don't want a five-star QB of any kind right now. Look, I understand where you're coming from, Neil. Um, I, I like, I like this kid's game. Okay. He's, Jaden is is the guy that that I that I want. He's the guy that that uh, the Billy Napier seems to have gotten his eyes on, um, and I oh, think I like he's the too. guy. That, yeah, I, I I like him too. I'm just saying, don't turn off your recruitment of Arch. Don't yeah, don't don't get me wrong. Arch can throw the ball. My my big concern with him is his rating might have a lot to do with his name. Got it. Got to be. I got to be careful with that one, but it might have a lot to do with his name, Jaden Rashada. You you look at his tape. He, he play. He doesn't play. He plays in California. Okay, there's some excellent teams in that state, right? And you look at his tape. You look at you look at how he's performed at camps, and he's he's still got a senior year to to up his stock. Okay, I think Jaden is exceptional, and I and I and I look for him to. Uh, I look for him to to be a Gator now. Um, should I should I go on the limb right now? I mean, you know, oh no, don't predict it. No, do not make that prediction. Oh, I I would love him to be a Gator, Dustin. Yeah, I, w- I would love it. I love his game. I love what I think he can grow into. I, th- yep. I love what I think he can become. But I'm I'm not sold enough on on his love for UF yet to, to think that it's, it's wise to, to make that prediction. I, I think that there is a better chance that he will come to Florida than there would have been if Mullen was here, put it that way. And I think that there's, oh, there's a better chance that he'll come to Florida than Arch Manning. Yeah. Now he is committing um, on the 18th. So just a few days away. I mean, it might so we'll be see what happens. It, it wouldn't not- it it would not utterly stun me, put it that way. It would not stun me if he chose Florida. Yes, um, but I mean LSU, Ole Miss, A and M all have something to say about that. I don't really think Cal is a player for him. I know they're the hometown team, but I don't really I don't right buy that. I, I think it's Florida, LSU, um, Ole Miss, or Texas A and M. Is there anyone else in the mix for him? Like heavily in the mix for him? Those would be his top five. Um, I, I personally think Miami. it's between Florida and Ole Miss. Yeah, that's probably true. I maybe Miami. I, I know I know he liked Oregon a lot with Cristobal. Uh, maybe yeah. now he, he thinks Miami, but uh, I would I would think it's Florida, LSU, Mississippi, or Texas A and M. I would think it's right for. And I, I would I would not give any. No, that's not that's not true. I'll, I would give. I would give Florida and and Mississippi each thirty percent chances to land him, and LSU and A&M probably twenty percent each. So Florida and A&M are slight, or Florida and Mississippi are slight favorites, and LSU and A&M are, are right. slightly behind. But yep, yeah. Um, I mean, look. Well, hey, we'll see. That, yeah, that's the fun that's, part about, about this time thing. of year. Yeah, <laughs> we we have a lot to wait and see about. Um, when, I mean, hey, when y'all hear this, we'll be probably less than 80 days before kickoff right. and um, you know, lots to look forward to there. And of course, recruiting never stops 
So we'll definitely come back and, and talk about recruiting some more as more stuff develops. But I, th- I think for now, that's a good place to, to table this um, and, and leave it for the future. We do have a lot of awesome guests coming up. In fact, some have already been recorded, but we had to do baseball and softball first because they, they came first. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff to look forward to, guys. We got Lorenzo Lingard, Florida Gator running back, coming on to talk about the, the new energy in the building this offseason. Excited for that one. Yeah, I mean, Dustin, you were, you were a part of that. You, you and I have already recorded that one. Y'all will yep. hear it next week. Um, after that, Casey and I talked to Hugh Hathcock, the creator and founder of the Gator Guard. So y'all will get to hear that and hear about And he might just be the owner of that Lamborghini that we've seen all over social media. Yeah, I'm not gonna comment on that. that that's, <laughs> I see, I, I've I've dealt with lawyers enough to know uh that if you're going to use certain words, they have to be used in a precise context and you have to have actually been there to see it for yourself so you can describe it. I'm not doing that. But yeah, Hugh Hathcock will come by and and he'll talk about um, you know why he started the Gator Guard. He'll talk about his background. He'll talk about why he loved the Gators so much. He'll talk about what he sees for the future of this program and specifically what he sees for the future of the Gator Guard and the Gator Collective helping this program. Speaking of which, the Gator Collective was responsible for helping us get Lorenzo. So thank you, Gator Collective, for that. Um, and, and if y'all have not already committed to becoming a member of the Gator Collective Go to their website, gatorcollective.com, and all shall be revealed. Um, I think that's a good place to end it, y'all. Dustin, I don't think we've gotten anything worth uh, worth one of your rowdy go gators, but I mean, we, no. yeah, we, you know, we, we just got to hang in there, y'all. 80 days still football season, and uh, we, we got some, we got some pretty damn good content coming your way to tide you over yep. until then. Hey. As, uh, as we like to say in all kinds of weather, we all stick together for F-L-O-R-I-D-A. It's not going to be a big one, but want to say it with me, Neil? On three. One, two, three. Go, Go Gators! Gators.